Hello, friends. Welcome to Alchemy Answers, level 70, where we answer your questions if you pay us on patreon.com slash Dota Alchemy. Also, we have a new benefit for anyone who joins the Patreon ranks of our, our acolytes, our alchemist acolytes, is that uh, at the end of the month, we're going to be doing an exclusive Patreon-only stream where you get to choose what heroes Jenkins and I play in a duo queue session, a duo queue stream. What are we going to do? Like four games or something like that? Maybe we'll, I don't know. we'll see how long. It, yeah. We'll see how long it, it goes. We'll see how fun it is. Uh, but you guys will get to vote and choose our heroes and our roles. So if you want to make me play Pudge and Jenkins laugh at me while he's also playing uh, techies or What's your least favorite hero in the game? Lion? Yes, we'll do a Pudge Lion lane, and you'll have to play Lion, and I'll play Pudge. I don't mind playing Lion. I actually don't. <laughs> least favorite hero. Least favorite hero to play. I mean, it would have to be something boring, honestly. I'm I'm a, I'm fine with playing obscure heroes as long as they're fun. It would need to be something boring. Like, let's see. God, Lich is pretty fucking boring. That's true. Um, Venge. Ugh. Oh yeah, Vengeful Something. Spirit Pudge. That sounds like a game-winning combo right there. Jesus, you swap them towards me, and then I point blank hook them because I can't hit anything longer than a point blank hook. Sound good? Yeah, I don't know. There's honestly, <laughs> it's hard. There's it's hard to find a hero in Dota that I wouldn't that I wouldn't enjoy playing. I yeah. like the game. I like the game, man. I'm gonna really be honest right now. It, I'd be hard pressed to not enjoy a single hero because I'm having a lot of fun playing Dota. Even when I lose, I'm having fun. I, I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to think about. It. I feel like I feel like I could make almost anything work. Um, I mean, I'd play, probably play like dog shit if you give me something like anti mage, but anti mage Pudge, that's the lane. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna get an Oove. Just beat their ass. Yeah, you have to play the four. I get to play the three. Because I'm of the course. offlaner in this relationship. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Starting with the questions, <laughs> Hawk Illionaire says, "Is it actually possible to stack the Radiant Camp, the Ancients, more than once? I don't think I've ever pulled it off. Dire side is easy as fuck. I can stack it ten times. I have seen people stack it up to three times. So, I would assume so." I don't spend a lot of time stacking it because I'm an offlaner and I'm busy feeding on the enemy side of the map, but I have seen people like three stack it. Uh, yeah. Maybe you need to cut some trees. You definitely can. Uh, you can. I don't know if you're using like the Dota Plus cues to to pull, but you can definitely cue. You can pull the camp in multiple different directions. So experiment with that because you can pull it directly sideways back towards Radiant Base. You can pull it over to the small camp and you can pull it straight up which is what dota plus recommends but that's actually the farthest out of the spawn Dude, box so i gotta say the dota plus cues to pull are garbage they're not Hot very garbage. good they're not very they good like a lot of the time they just don't work they yeah. just straight up don't work at the timing that they tell you or it's or it's like 0.5 seconds a 0.5 second window at the timing that they say right you usually that's... need to do slightly earlier than all of them which kind of defeats the entire purpose <laughs> right of exactly so yeah maybe cut some trees don't follow dota plus it's a liar uh mira says there was a game where i was positioned for rubik and around the 10 to 15 mark our safe lane tier one was being pushed in by a solo wind ranger i went there and sat there clearing five to six waves getting experience but in the back of my head i felt like i should be with my team in the end i think it was the correct thing to do because we ended up keeping the tower alive for a long time any thoughts on a conflicting situation like this so I would need to see the game, yeah. but uh, often if you can do that, it's it's usually pretty fine. Uh, the thing is, like, I guess the question is, can you actually group up with your team and and do stuff, or is it is it like necessary? You know, because if if your if your team just doesn't want to fight and you're doing that, that that's good. Or if like you want to bait fights around that tower, that's that's fine. Uh, but if if like you know the enemy team is like owning on the other side of the map and you have some hero that you really need to defend over there, like some alchemist or something, then yeah, you, you probably don't want to be doing that. You, it, it just depends on what's important in the game. But I would say in most games, that's fine. Just make sure that when you're holding that lane, it's like, because you don't want to fight and you're just, you're just uh, stalling. Yeah. So if you're not in a situation where you need to stall, then you 
uh, then you don't need to do that. I'd also say pay very close attention to how many heroes' time you're occupying, because if you're trading your time for three heroes' time or something like that, that's always going to be good. But if it's just like you de-pushing against like a tide hunter or something like that who doesn't have Ravage, then that's probably wasting your time. And you could be better served like going with your team to go fight. So um try and try and make sure that you are aware of like exactly how much space you're making. Don't just assume that you're making it. Yeah. Putsy McCoy says just pick Kunka and press Q at fifty seven seconds. Oh, that's to stack. To hockey laner, yeah. Yeah. SDFS25 says, how do I play Klink's mid against an invoker? Typically, Klink's game plan is to give up early CS in exchange for harass to zone him off later waves. What should my game plan be against him? Also, uh, how should we play against Exhort invoker in general? Well, I got good news for you. I think invoker is a pretty garbage hero. So basically, as long as you don't feed him, uh, you're going to be fine. So I would say against Invoker, there is not all that much benefit in trading uh, trading CS to harass him. You should just focus on CSing because he has Quas. The moment he gets level 3, he can have a permanent Tango, more than a permanent Tango going. So I wouldn't bother. Uh, but he does have pretty low armor. So, you know, in situations where, let's say you pick up like an early two Wraith Bands or something, you know, you can cut, you can cock block him off the wave. You can do stuff like that by by threatening to kill him, but it's not like you're going to slowly harass him down and then kill him. You're just going to prevent him from coming up to the wave. So, like, I would say you can still keep harassing. It's just don't do it and sacrifice CS in, in order to do it. You would just play that lane uh, a little bit more like, like normal, and you can use your Searing Arrows to get last hits. Feel free to do that. As long as you're getting farm, you're fine. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think that you could potentially... Because Clink is a hero who is always at risk of being shoved under tower. He's like one of the worst heroes at dealing with hero with creeps under tower. So if you just like kill the range creep every single wave early, then your wave will push into Invoker's tower, and then you can hit Invoker while he's trying to last it under tower with his terrible base damage. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds de definitely pretty good. I mean, you eat you eat a creep too, right? So you can just eat the range creep. Yeah, fair enough. Actually, that's probably the way to go. Is just eat the range creep every wave and then just punch the invoker. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that as like a particularly hard lane for Clinks. Honestly, I think uh, I think if you like overcommit to harassing him or act like a little bitch, both of those situations are going to get you. Uh, he might he might outlane you, but if you're just playing aggressive and harassing normally, like when he walks up and he's hitting, going for a last hit, things like that, I think I think you'll keep him at like low enough HP that he won't be able to destroy you. Speaking of that, what's the viability of offlane clinks eating a creep behind the tower at level one? Uh, like like Doom style. <laughs> my my, so I have other problems with offlane clinks. Like I feel like that's fine, that's good. Mm -hmm. But like, what does he offer as an offlaner? in the rest of the game you know he doesn't yeah. push waves he's not tanky he's strictly a damage dealer in a role that's not going to be getting very much farm you're basically just picking a carry in the offlane yes who's better speed <laughs> or jenkins speed okay um somebody said we don't read Wait, youtube chat at, we do at, read youtube chat it's at just... fortnite Are you oh better sorry than... I, th I thought you were talking about fortnite at dota definitely me because he doesn't even play dota so yeah Definitely me. Yeah. Uh, I, two, okay. What? I was just going to say, I just wanted to make sure that we answered that one correctly. Yeah, right. Of course. Of course. Uh, okay. Putsy McCoy says, with strength heroes being meta position four at the moment, would you guys say that the beefy area control heroes offer the best toolkits for position fours? There's still room for intelligence position fours in the ideal lineup. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think that like a lot of the time, your position four and position three are kind of interchangeable. Like if so, if you have some like Rubik as a position four, a lot of the time it's really nice to have a you know centaur or an earthshaker or something like that as a position three. So as long as your draft has uh, enough team fight and control and like a beefy hero, then you can pick those intelligence position fours. Like for example, if you have a DK mid, uh, then you can pick like Rubik Lashrak as your offlane, and that's fine because. 
both of those heroes offer a decent amount of control. You know, they're they're not totally out of the left field. It's not like Rubick is a completely different hero than something like an Earth Spirit. They both have lockdown. They both have damage. They're both good at team fighting. Um, but then your DK offers you that kind of guy to run in first and start fights and has a disable. You know, he's a team fighting disabler guy. So it just depends on what your other heroes are. Sven is similar in the position one. If you have a Sven, maybe you don't need as much beefcake on your team, and you can you can start to think, okay, maybe I'm going to pick an intelligence position four. But mostly it's the offlane. Like if you have a centaur, feel free to pick a disruptor pause four. Feel free to pick a, a pause four Rubik, something like that. Yeah, I mean we're seeing shadow shaman coming back into the meta to some extent. We're seeing like like you said, disruptor obviously. Um, I mean, I would almost even throw Nyx Assassin into that role because the hero is so terrible in lane. He's like, he's basically a squishy int hero because he doesn't do very much. Yeah, people just pick Nyx and get boots and drag two waves constantly. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm seeing these days. Yeah. Which which is quite quite good. Uh, Phoenix, actually. I saw GH was spamming Phoenix. That hero has hmm. been picked 500 times in the last week on Dota 2 Pro Tracker. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Phoenix is getting picked. I have noticed it in my games quite a bit. Pretty cool. Uh, Uga Chaka says, I have a 60% win rate on Fridays, but only a 38% win rate on Thursdays, uh, with about 50 matches played in total for each day. Does this prove that Thursday is the most depressing day that I shouldn't play Dota on Thursdays, or is there not enough data to tell? Dude, I would actually say, I don't know. That's, uh, that's that a seems lot of... somewhat significant to me. What is going on? Are you just super happy on Fridays? You're like, yes, I don't have to work. It's a weekend. I don't know, man. I want to actually look at mine because I definitely noticed that I had a much worse win rate on weekends. On Saturday and Sunday at one point, I noticed that that was a uh, pretty significant decrease in my ability to win games yeah i i have similar thoughts except that past 3 a.m if i if i queue at 3 a.m it's just yeah fuck that's like geez i've like 30 percent win rate past 3 a.m it's 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 not good it's really not good so i don't know i would i would say look into that figure out like what the hell it is that's different on thursdays and and fridays um and if there's nothing then it's probably bullshit you know, it's probably just some some statistical anomaly, which, uh, which is which is fine. You know, that happens. But I would I would definitely look into that a little bit. Yeah, you should just create a spreadsheet and track it for yourself. Figure it out. Yep, yep. Your mic will all please fix it. Thanks. Is it my mic? Does my mic sound like dog shit? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Pogasis says, when you want to buy Ghost Scepter, when do you activate it? I see this item used much more in high-rated games than in my bracket. Well, when there's an enemy guy that does physical damage that's about to go on you or going on you, you press it. <laughs> that's that's basically that's basically it. Yep. Donnie, oh, Vince Scepter has a good question. He has, his question's actually coming up in Patreon, but he said in in uh, chat, Donnie, do you have a better or worse win rate on stream? Probably worse. That's a that's a good question. I would imagine it's probably worse because I'm more distracted. But at the same time, it could be better because I try to hold my tilt in and control my emotions more when there's people watching me, so I can't just lose my shit. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's worse just because I, I feel a lot more pressure when I'm playing on stream. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel similarly. I feel like... I feel like people are watching me, and I have to adhere to uh, some some certain uh, standards. You know, it's like you, you can't pick your nose on stream. You can't fart. You can't. You know, it's like you can't do all this regular shit that I'm sure everybody does. Uh, so you're you're constantly like spending brain power monitoring how you're behaving, uh, right. as well as as well as you know that if you fuck up, people are going to judge you. And uh, I mean, it's especially true. And uh, you know, no offense to anybody who, well, actually, yeah, offense, offense to you. If you if you CS lol people on Twitch, then yes, offense to you. But people will like CS lol you when you miss last hits, and that's just like a such a two to three k player thing to focus on. Right? Is is, is like, oh, miss the last hit, they're really bad. Uh, but it still gets to you, and then it's like your brain starts thinking like, oh, for fuck's sakes, 
this person's so stupid thinking the last hits matter. Right. Like, <laughs> Dota's way more about strategy. And then you're thinking about that, and then somebody fucking kills you, and it's like, what am I doing? And then right. you start thinking, oh, what am I doing? Thinking, what am I doing? It's just this loop, this loop in your head, this anxiety that goes on. And I think that's a lot less likely to happen when you're when you're not streaming. Just because yeah. the the it, the little spark that lights the flame isn't there. Yeah. Also, for me, I noticed that when I'm streaming, I feel very obligated to just like play a game and then play another game and then play another game. When I'm not streaming, I'll play a game and I'll get up and like do other stuff and then I'll come back and play another game. And then maybe I'll play two games in a row, but a lot of the time I'll like take a little break just because I feel like it. Whereas on stream, I feel like if I, if I even go get water, like my, my viewers drop, you know, that's true. That's true. It is definitely, that's also, that's also bad. Like I have a bad back. Somebody uh, was asking in chat, like why I, I don't stream. And it's basically because I don't play all day. Like I, I, I generally take. Yeah, I do play a lot of Dota. I, I play probably like at least five matches a day, uh, which which definitely, you know, compared to the, um, maybe not the average Dota player, but compared to like the average gamer, that's more, probably more hours of gaming than most people. Yeah. Um, but I don't play it. I don't play it all at once. So like, I'll take a break. I'll go get tea. I'll go to the grocery store. I'll take a walk. And like, I have to get up because my back is, uh, you know, I, I got a herniated disc. I'm an old man here. Yeah. So it, that that it's just not very conducive to to streaming. You know, it's 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 like you'd call you'd have I'd do a two hour stream, then I'd be done. Right. What am I drinking? It's a Diet Coke Extra, toasted vanilla flavor with extra caffeine in it. It's only available in Ontario. Thanks for asking. <laughs> she cracks me up every time. <laughs> Kremlin says question one. So it's a two parter. Uh, Marana. For some reason, I've been spamming Rana as uh, a support position five or position four. Is this bad to play her in support roles? No, I think she, I think both are decent. Uh, is she more of a four than a five? I th think so. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Marana? Yeah, I think she's probably more of a four than a five. Yeah, she's quite good at roaming, and roaming is definitely kind of coming back into the meta. Yeah. Um, I... I guess I could see some scenario, like if you had a strong stunning safe lane hero like a Sven or like CK or something like that, but it feels very situational. Yeah, definitely. Or if you're really good at it. Uh, as soon as the game starts, like the whole sacred arrow not learned noob spammed at me in chat, I always start with Elite because Marana's arrow is so hard to sustain the mana for. No, no way. No way. Do not start with Leap. Do yeah. not start with Leap. Um, I that know sounds bad. Players... You're definitely not Wind Ranger. <laughs> okay, the reason that people get arrow first is because you can arrow range creeps, which means you can push the wave, which means you can get your leap anyway. Yeah. Like this is this is the reason that like, um, let's see, uh, the reason that TAs start with Cyblades first in the lane. It's not because refraction first is bad. It's because if you start Cyblades first, you can push the wave, and then you have both Cyblades and refraction. You have both. Yep. It's the reason Batriders, back when Firefly wasn't dog shit, Batriders would just cut the first wave and Firefly it, because it gets you level two. So you basically start the game at level two anyway, but only if you level that skill that guarantees that you're going to get level two first before your opponents. So yep. Sacred Arrow is what you get first because you arrow the range creep, which pushes the wave, which gets you level two. It also lets you arrow jungle creeps. Um, and yeah, you, you, should, you should probably get more mana. It's, it's really not that mana intensive for what it does. You should be using it to you should throw an arrow so that it's either going to hit a hero or the range creep and either way that's going to be good yep so yeah you just you just got to look and see what pro players are doing with arrow first because that is that is one of the big reasons why marana is even remotely viable in my opinion so you you're going to unlock if you're not going arrow first and you you start going arrow first and you're already winning with marana you're about to unlock some crazy shit like <laughs> yeah. go watch what pros are doing with arrow level one yep. because it's really important it's one of the best things about this hero Yep. Might not have anything okay. else to add. Question two from Kremlin. Uh, is there, uh, what's the best way to counter Sniper at super crap MMR? He's picked every sodding game. It's almost like the team with Sniper on it wins. I've noticed at pro levels, he's hardly ever picked. Why is this? What do they know about how to counter him that us in the trenches don't know and should know? Uh, target, just... target him in team fights. <laughs> <laughs> you just jump Sniper. Imagine that Okay, let's say you're playing a game of football. This is going to be a terrible example because I'm Canadian. I don't know anything about football. 
I'm talking like American football. Okay. Sure. And there's this like really fast guy on the enemy team and he just keeps getting touchdowns. Okay. What do you do? Okay. He's really fast, but he weighs 80 pounds. What's the solution? You just fucking run at him with three guys and everybody takes him out. You just charge him because he's a little bitch, right? He's fast, but he's a little bitch. So you just take three guys and put them all on that guy. And guess what? The enemy team is so dog shit at football, American football, that they can't win without that guy. And the reason for it is because this guy that weighs 80 pounds is sucking all the energy from everybody else on his team. That's what Sniper does. He sucks in all the fucking energy and all the farm, and the entire game is about him. And if he dies, his team loses. And the problem with low-rated games is people will run their 200-pound guys at the 200-pound guys on the enemy team. They have no plan. Instead of at the 80-pound guy. They have no plan in team fights. That's that's the main difference. Like, Excuse me, sir. My football analogy was fucking brilliant. Please don't go back to, to regular Dota terms. Sniper, Refer to this in terms of football. Sniper is probably the easiest hero to kill in the entire game, aside from maybe like Zeus. But those two heroes are the exact same hero because yes. they, they want to sit as far back as possible, but they have no escape mechanics. They're very squishy. Like 80 and, HP. Yeah. And uh, they're so easy to get on top of. Like All you have to do is just approach every team fight with the plan, which is kill Sniper. And if you don't see Sniper, you literally don't go into the team fight until you see Sniper. That's all you have to do. Blink daggers are good for jumping him, picking heroes like Storm, just not, like Donnie said, not fighting unless you jump him. It's it's the reason that Sniper is so dog shit in pro-level pubs is because it is so easy to win against him. You yeah. just focus him with literally every hero every game, and 100% of the time he will lose. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's as easy as it is. Yep. It's very hard if you don't do that, though. Okay, Vince Scepter. Hey, guys, I have a question regarding team fighting as a position one. There are many games where the enemy team has certain ultimates that pierce spell Im immunity, like Duel, Fiend's Grip, and Chronosphere. Sometimes they'll only use it on you specifically. Do you have any advice when it comes to playing around these as a position one? So I would say that this this is... Uh, a lot of the time, this comes down to like proper positioning and choosing when to go into the fight properly. Yep. Like If your whole team is around you, and these heroes are dueling, chronoing, or fiends gripping you, it shouldn't result in anything. Because your hero should have so much net worth, because you're the carry, that you can actually survive these spells, and your your team can't. Like, if you're tanking these spells as a carry, it should only be when you're around your team, and they can save you from them. Um, yep. Otherwise, otherwise, like you just can't you can't play like insanely aggressively on your own against these spells. That's just the bottom line. You can't do that. You need to send manta stop, uh, manta illusions down creep waves. Uh, you need to quickly push waves, play away from those heroes, things like that. But uh, if you're if you're if you're grouped up with your team, really, in, in my opinion, as a carry, like if you're using that shit on a carry uh, instead of like a Rubik, like the Rubik will just steal Fiend's Grip or lift the guy dual. You know what I mean? Like the 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 support should be there to pre to prevent that from killing you. And they should be just happy that they didn't. They're the back lines, right? That you want stuff to be used on you, um, yeah. To, to some degree, uh, sometimes you like have an offlaner or a mid, like a DK or a centaur, and you want that hero to get shit cast on them. And you just go in like once stuff has been used on them. That's that's also acceptable. But it just it's just about team fight execution. That's yeah, it. I think it's a pretty big debate. I think a lot of people will go for like extra defensive items. They'll you know they'll build like a a Lincoln sphere against a Bane. When in reality, all they really have to do is just kill the Bane or like wait for the Bane to use his Fiend's Grip or get nuked down by somebody else before they enter the team fight. Uh, it just sounds to me like you, once again, don't really have a plan for going into the team fight and you're kind of just running in or you're constantly being gone on, in which case it's not a team fighting problem. It's the fact that you're constantly out of position. So look elsewhere other than the heroes most of the time. I will say if you are like a juggernaut, your your role is kind of to be like this very aggressive split pusher, and if you're against like Beast, Bane, and Void or something like that, you're gonna have a bad time. But you know that's like being countered by three heroes. Yeah, and there should be some other part of the draft that makes up for that if that's the case. Otherwise, you yeah. kind of fucked up your draft. Yeah, like there should be some wyvern to save you from from that. And as long as you're positioning correctly, then the wyvern should just be able to cast 
his spells. Yeah. Eleanor says, hi there. Mid-related question. I had a discussion with my friends uh, that they tell me I should go and fight at the start of every game for runes. So I'm assuming you're mid. Uh, and sometimes I think that I have to block waves so that I can make the lane situation better for myself by securing the first wave and make it worse for my opponent. But sometimes my teammates end up losing all the runes. I know both of you are not mid players. This is correct. Uh, but I want to know, uh, what do you think about the subject? For me, it's like kind of 50-50. Uh, yeah, I think if you're a hero that doesn't really matter, like, for example, a Zeus, or just a hero that automatically wants to push the first wave, then maybe going is okay. But I also think it's more of the, the five's job to recognize that, oh, I have a hero that's like self-sufficient or definitely doesn't want to fight for the rune. I should go bottom or I should go top. And then have three heroes at a rune, and then you can usually get a kill and take two bounties. And then maybe your self-sufficient hero can get a third. I don't think you should ever try to get four. I think that's impossible, pretty much. I yeah, I I, I actually agree with you. I feel like it is fifty-fifty. Um, I think sometimes your your block does matter on the mid lane if it's some like really uh, highly contested matchup, such as like you know OD versus SF, something like that. Then it definitely does matter. If it's not a hugely contested matchup and you just win the lane or you're like a melee hero where obviously you can't uphill miss as a melee hero, then going and getting the runes is is definitely uh, solid. Sometimes you can even get away with like zoning the enemies off the runes and then, uh, you know, dipping back right before the runes do spawn so that you have time to get like at least a half block from from your base. So it, do it does depend on the games. And um, I would say, yeah, your friends are, if they're telling you to go 100% of the time, they're they're wrong. Uh, but they might be right about some of those cases, just because sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have mid players that just I, I, I recognize that they just didn't need to block, and we really needed help at the rune, or we could have gotten three runes. Like Donnie said, four is pretty improbable, uh, but getting three is definitely something you can do if you have the mid go, and, and that, obviously that's pretty important. It's like that's that's an extra what four hundred, uh, or sorry, extra two hundred gold for your whole team. So that's a that's pretty pretty important. Yep. Um, but yeah, 50-50, honestly. Yep, yep, yep. Ugachaka says, as a carry, under what conditions should I pull the enemy wave to the hard camp? Uh, so I would say if the enemy team is cutting, for one, you, of course, do that. Um, if the enemy team is dragging the wave behind their tier 2, or tier 1, or tier 2, uh, then what I would say is you want to drag the creep wave not to the hard camp but to the next creep wave uh so that way you're denying an entire wave from them as well and then the equilibrium will end up in the exact same spot yep um if you can be greedy and you have some way of farming that camp quickly and getting the last hit on the neutral then i would say that's also acceptable that's also that's also good it's it essentially just depends on on how greedy you can be um you just want to choose what's going to give you the most gold. Obviously, your carry, and uh, what what usually does that is is like yeah, pulling to that camp, or it's almost never into your tower. You almost never want to pull into your tower unless you specifically need a tower for like defense purposes. You know, the enemy team's going to kill you if you drag it to that camp. Something yep. like that. That's how I see it. Or if it's, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking if you if you only have like a partial wave. But even then, you just want to tank it outside of your tower and wait for the next wave, unless it's... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Putsy McCoy says, you guys gave advice about a year ago to mute enemy chat always. Yes, I play, I play with that option. I did, but after getting a new PC, it's been unmuted, and I actually enjoy friendly banter with opponents at occasion. Do you stand by that recommendation, regardless of your own tilt ability, or have you reconsidered this? Most streamers who have sense of humor and confidence uh, deal with this daily i would say it depends on your mindset sometimes you're in the mood for it sometimes you're not in the mood for it uh for me when i'm playing i'm just so focused on winning that i don't give a fuck about bantering with the enemy team i just want to win the video game uh, at this point i i play dota because the competitiveness of it is like what i i really enjoy uh, i play you know i'm playing cuphead right now for the same reason i'm trying to do every boss on perfect and i i just i really enjoy the theory of um you know the, the the theory of like what exactly is it that i do to make this the most optimal that that's the part of it that i enjoy and it's not necessarily the art or the music you know what i mean it's like there are elements to the game i think that if, if you enjoy that element then feel free and and you know 
it's good for your psychology, right? But for me, it's just a distraction. So that's why I mute is it's either a distraction or it tilts me in both of those cases. I don't really care about it. Yeah. I, um, I play with it on, but it just doesn't really bother me. Like the only times it really bothers me is when, Oh, I don't know. Some, I guess the most common thing that happens is that we're winning the game and the other team goes, such and such teammate is trash and and at that point you have two options usually i tell them to destroy their items and run down mid you fucking pussies and then, <laughs> and then, and then i thought you weren't gonna add anything i was like donnie there's something extra that you would say there yeah buddy. yeah so that's what i that's what i tell them or i tell my teammates they're obviously going to keep playing so let's just play normally, which is some somewhat important to say sometimes because a lot of the time people will just kind of be like, oh, this game's over. But then, you know, the four other people will continue to play or even the five other people will continue to play. So, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. I also like chat wheeling people when you kill them, stuff like that. That that kind of BM is very fun for me. I, 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 I mute that shit. I just, I, I've yeah. always been such a shit talker in sports. I, I really enjoy that part. So that's just part of who I am, I guess. I don't know. That, that, uh, that, that sort of shit. You should definitely be able to mute tips. I think that's, <laughs> it's crazy that you can mute, you can mute chat wheel, you can mute chat, you cannot mute tips. I think that's, I think that's, that's nuts. You should be able to choose what you, what you want to see. And I mean, it just has nothing to do with the actual game. It's like yeah, just some added random feature that's the purely aesthetic on my screen. Is it purely aesthetic or is it psychological warfare? No, it's purely aesthetic. It has psychological components to it because humans are visual creatures, but, you know, it's, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit way to win. Uh, anyway, Uga Chaka, fuck off, Donnie, and your dumb chat wheeling. Uh, Uga Chaka says, do you think people that are commit, uh, competitively driven to play the game, i.e. to win, improve at a faster rate than people who play the game for the dopamine rush of certain events, such as getting rampages or making a flashy play. And if this is the case, do you think it, it's worth uh, nurturing your competitive aspects in order to improve? God damn, dude, that's a fucking good question. Oh, boy, what do I think? Um, Wait, sorry, can you read that one more time? I was reading do chat. You think, do you think that people who are competitively driven to play the game improve mm. faster than people that just likes the dopamine rush of mm. um, rampages and flashy plays and things like that? I think that's a very situational thing. I think that being too competitive can hold you back in a lot of cases because people will get like too into the mechanics, too into the minutia, too into the fact that they're not winning because of their teammates, quote unquote. And sometimes just be having fun will make you play better. But I do think that if you're not driven to get better at the game because you're competitive, then you will probably plateau much earlier. I was going to say, I was going to say, I actually think that people that enjoy the dopamine rush of flashy plays and things like that, I feel like that's the the group that's that's going to improve more. And the reason that I say that, it's purely anecdote, of course, as, as most things are in Dota, being, you know, a 20-year-old game. Most people that, I've, that, that I know that are like tier 1 pros or like tier 1.5, they they love the rush. They love the big plays. They they love uh, theory crafting and figuring out what the best way to win this lane is and things like that. And uh, you know, there's obviously a level of competition to it. But I I can say for sure that if you are missing that love of the rush of doing really cool shit in the game, you you can't be good. You can't yeah. be like really good. So I want to say that because of that, because of you know the experience that I have. Uh, knowing some of these people is that all of them have that flashy play uh, kind of love, but they, they're also highly competitive. So I would say that it's, it is good to, it is good to nurture both. And I was actually the opposite. I was somebody that uh, enjoyed the competition. I, maybe I didn't enjoy it, but I was very competitive. Didn't want to, you know, be shit at the game, sick of being a six K player. So I tried really hard to, and I, and I actually like nurtured the flashy play aspect to it, where instead of feeling like, in a game where I get last pick and it's my job to win the game because I'm the last pick here. Instead of feeling pressured in that situation, thinking of that as I enjoy the opportunity to basically carry an entire game and have a free game. Mm. That was a huge flip of a switch for me. 
uh, because a lot of the time it's like these flashy plays and getting a rampage. This shit would give me anxiety. It was the opposite. It wasn't something that I got a rush from. It was something mm -hmm. that scared me because it's like, oh, I don't want to fuck this up. So actually like teaching myself to to kind of just literally just thinking about that the anxiety is not anxiety and that it's just you anticipating something and being excited about it. That helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. So I actually went the opposite way. I mean, I remember from um, from my time playing baseball, like when I went from high school baseball up to college baseball, I definitely noticed a big shift in the amount of people on my team that were like actively trying to own the other person at all moments. Like they were, they were like very excited. Like if there was a pitcher on my team, they would be like actively trying to just like make the other, like the batter that they're facing look as terrible as possible. Like that was what they loved about the game. And, Those people own man. Those yeah. people are, are insane. And I was like, damn, that that's like a crazy mindset that you're actually just like, you're trying to prove that you're the best in this game, in this moment, every single moment. And I think that's what you see in people like Sumail and Thompson and, um, you know, these insane players who just constantly pull off really nuts stuff is because even if they're at like five health and they've got like, you know, two wand charges and a tango or like a two wand charges and a fairy fire, they're still going to go in because they're like, they can see that there's like a 5% chance that if they play this perfectly, that they're going to kill the other person. And if they can do that, it's going to completely win them the game. And so they're going to go for that because they're like, I'm going to make this person look so bad right now. And it's going to be the best thing that I do this entire game. Yeah. Yeah. The people that get off to that sort of shit are definitely annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty annoying to play against. Uh, okay, Snowy says, one of the very first things that you learn in Dota is that if you don't pick a hero with a reliable stun in your first two picks, it's automatically an L. In your opinion, is this always the case? Uh, examples examples might include any combination of Venomancer, Undying, Abaddon, Silencer, Io, etc. Uh, to make this question even more extreme, can you win a game with no reliable stuns in your entire lineup? Um, okay, well, back when I was a competitive Dota player, and I was playing on some, you know, Tier 2, playing in every fucking qualifier that there was and losing uh kyle would always tell our team because he thought we sucked uh he would say hey you guys should pick more stuns because stuns carry noobs like basically and I, I agree i mean obviously it's kyle so he's got this like very goddamn extreme way of of saying shit um but it, but it is true like basically what he's saying and now he says it less bluntly uh that stuns carry um it's just easier to it's execute. Easy, easy, easy of yeah, ease of execution. That's what it's about. It's like easier to execute stuns, and I think that there's been like a three uh, one eighty where basically for a while the top teams were like, okay, we don't need to pick stuns. We just pick a really good draft because we're good enough to execute without stuns. And then top level Dota became so fucking good, and people all became so close to the same skill level that ease of execution became important again because you couldn't just outplay your opponents anymore. It, it, it didn't because they were going to do the good, cool shit as well. They were going to have good drafts as well. Right. So it's kind of looped back around where for a long time, I think there was a lot of strategy involved in Dota. I think there was a lot of rigorous Dude, like, flow chart stuff and it's back to all instinct. Now it is all instinct. Dude, like the, 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 the Kuroki teams, like TI seven liquid, they're like caudal strat. Where they they like, you know, they're running GH Coddle four. They've got like a Chen. They have no stuns. It's all about hitting a twenty minute timing around their position four's Aghanim Scepter and ending the game. Like they, there there was definitely a time. I completely agree. We're getting back to that point where the skill gap is not big enough to where execution can win you the game a lot of the time. Um, you know, Liquid or rather Enigma still tries to do it, like. You'll, you'll see them. You'll see them look really bad occasionally because they're trying to play these drafts that are like 1% drafts. Like they cannot make a single mistake the entire game. Otherwise they lose. And they still draft them because that's who they are. Like that's their identity as a team. But most, most <laughs> like OG, yeah. you know, OG won't do that. OG will give themselves a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities to win the game. I've actually been playing with some of the OG players recently in pubs because it's really cool to have the opportunity just because they're, they're here for the LA major um, and like a lot of, a lot of pro players are. And uh, I'm definitely getting the vibe from them that they're, uh, you know, no tail tried timber four against mm -hmm. 
uh, against Snapfire. And I, I asked him because I just kind of wanted to get information from him. I asked him, like, okay, well, what should I pick with that? And he said, don't worry about picking for my hero. I countered Snapfire. You counter their carry. And I picked Axe and I fed, which sucks. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought that Axe would own uh, Slark. I hadn't played that matchup in a while, but it turns out Slark's actually quite good against Axe. Before, you would just spin the first wave, right. but it's so slow now, you can't do that, so he just gets level two first. Anyway, uh, but the bottom line is I, I got a feeling that No-Tail was a very kind of instinctive, I'm not picking this because I've thought about it sort of thing. It's like, it's more he just had this idea of taking a shit one day, and he's like, I'm going to try Timbersaw versus Snapfire and see how it feels. Right. And he did. He just tried it. He thought about it. He tried it. It wasn't some crazy, like, doing the calculations, oh, 13%, take, oh, Snapfire's HP is only 300. He's not, do, he's not doing any calculations. It's just... It's just he wants to see how it feels, and it felt bad. It, it probably he was like, "Oh, this offlane is shit," so that's why it felt bad. And uh, I don't have you know mid one playing offlane. Actually, he was in the game. He was mid though. Um, but anyway, you, you get you get what I'm saying. I, I I think a lot of the top players are are uh, very much so like instinctive players, even when it comes to like strategy and and what heroes they're picking. It's like Ana played Wisp with his friends, and it worked. So let's pick let's like pick it and fucking Ti, you know? Yeah. Okay. Zebus said, uh, first of all, thanks for the great content. Been following you You're for welcome. the last four months and finally decided to become a patron. Thank you for that, Zebus. I recognize you. It's a stream viewer. Uh, first of all, oh, okay, I already read that part. Been playing a lot of acts lately, but I have a hard time starting the process of cutting waves. You and me both, buddy. There are two typical scenarios. The support and position one start chasing you around without the help of my own support, and it's hard to survive. The support are hiding in the trees and don't let me get into position at all. The same thing applies when my pause four starts roaming. I find it hard to contest a 2v1 lane. Any tips? Okay, I can give you a tip. Start in cutting position. Go smoke there, go run there at the start of the game, and let your support get level 2 on the first wave. Cut at the tier 3, yep. because at the tier 3, the carry cannot run over and stop you from cutting. It is too far. The carry will lose the game for doing that. So you, you want to make sure that you're cutting there in those situations where they can actually stop you. Um, otherwise, the situation where you're not cutting like that, it will be because you can actually play the lane. And then you're only going to be cutting for a brief moment, uh, you know, perhaps behind the tower for like a couple levels or something like that. But you're playing the lane normally, you push the lane, you cut the wave, something like that. But let's say you're playing Axe versus Slark, for example, which I just did, like I said, with No Tail and I fed. Uh, in future, I'm going to play that lane and I'm just going to cut level two. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give uh, my support uh, level two on the first wave and i'm just going to hard cut until i have enough levels that i know that i can win the lane and that's what i think you should do as well at, cut at the tier three basically. yeah i also kind of think the axe is just not a very good hero right now you like i agree i think axe is bad the the helix at level one is just so underwhelming it like takes so long to kill the wave and then i don't know it just doesn't feel good to play that hero right now yeah it's a pretty garbage hero the offlaners that are insane are like Mars, Slardar still, Void Spirit, Puck, Bat, Centaur, Legion. That's about it. The other ones are garbage. Basically people that can actually play the lane <laughs> for the most yeah. part. Yeah, Mars is insane. Mars is definitely a big boy. Yeah. Mars and Slardar. Those are your those are your 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 big your big boys. Nature's sure. Prophet's coming back as an offlaner too. Uh, yeah, Nature's Nature's is definitely decent. I need to move Nature's up in my list actually. Uh, okay, so Rage says, "What are your criteria? Criterion? I think I think that's the uh, plural of that for making a new tier list. I saw you guys made a few tier lists for patch seven point two four, but not for position five. So I look at Dota two Pro Tracker to see what pros are picking. I look at Dota Buff to see what the general win rate is in all brackets, um, and I." think about my own experience in, in my own games. That's that that's basically it. I just combine those three things and uh Donnie and I will talk about it and we'll just agree to a medium like if, if he thinks something is S tier and I think it's B tier, we'll just say okay it's A tier. Yep. Yeah, we, we we basically we generally build them together or at the very least consult each other when making them. And uh for the most part it just comes down to doing a bit of research and then also playing some games and seeing how it feels. He also, okay, uh, sorry, Grand Garden, next question. Um, I saw that he mentioned something about us, both of us hoarding Dota Plus shards. 
and he thinks we shouldn't do that. And I don't know, man. I don't know how to spend these. I don't know what I can spend these things on. I've bought like everything. I've I've started buying the relics that track stuff just because I've been like, you know what? Why not? I play a, a bunch of these heroes a lot. I might as well keep track of how much damage I've done through cleave on Sven. I I bought. I bought a bunch. I bought all of the ones for Pudge. That's all I care about. I I, I don't give a shit about any of the other heroes. That's the thing. It's like yeah, I bought all the things that I wanted from this, and there's just not. I have all the sets that I want for the heroes that I play. Yep. They're like three thousand each, so they're not even expensive. It's ridiculous. Like I can't spend these fucking things. Yeah. Okay, Grand Garden. The real question is: Is Lycan position four with eggs, meme or meta? Could seem legit when paired with a good carry. I don't know about position four, but I feel like offlane lichen maybe not that bad. Uh, I thought at the start of the patch it was going to be really good, but it hasn't been getting a lot of. It's probably underdeveloped. I would say that's an underdeveloped thing. Yeah, four is garbage. It just doesn't do anything that the four all wants. I I can't yeah. see that being good. I could see maybe a five, but most likely a three if you're trying to do that build. A five that like loses the lane pretty rough yeah uh best offlane is Jestraga that says this best offlane heroes to start playing the offlane i like beastmaster mars and enigma but it's trash right now uh what other heroes would you suggest specifically to start playing the role slardar centaur uh legion i would say these are three very similar easy heroes that are basically everything you want in a generic offlaner mm -hmm. if you want to get a little bit more crazy you can try bat puck void spirit pangolier but uh, yeah pango if you want to go crazy but i would say i would say yeah like basically centaur mars is great if you're a mars player just play that in the offlane it's like the best offlaner right now maybe other than slardar yeah. if you like mars just play it's a broken that's a broken hero right now so yeah i think that for the most so part just learn to play like the tanky aura slash initiator heroes but if you end up liking the offlane i think like the people that really start to accelerate their growth in the offlane also have like these weird heroes like the pangos the nature's prophets that kind of stuff in there as well the puck those are like yeah, nature's is a it, weird one like the ones that we named earlier are, like the ease of execution offlaners and then there's like the 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 like hard execution offlaners which are the ones that you actually have to like have impact and like know your timings well and that kind of stuff yeah they can be fun. They can definitely be fun. And, and you can have a higher impact sometimes with those heroes. Yep. Parody says, is there a way to have quick cast for all items but but wards and TPs? I have no idea. I don't use quick cast. I don't think so. I use quick cast. You can enable UI to bind specific keys for quick cast under advanced hotkeys options. That's what I see. So maybe you can do it, but you'd have to have it in a certain slot. I don't know. I'm not a quick cast player. Not not gonna lie to y'all here, you know. Use quick cast. It's good. Yeah, I will eventually. Uh, okay. So we no answer. <laughs> sorry, party. We're used. <laughs> Poopy pants boy says sorry, but this is a long one. But I feel like it needs some explanation. Oh boy, here we go. All right, let's see. It's been a while since you watched one of my replays, so you may not remember how I play, but I was wondering why it's easier for me to win lane against a high ancient player, which only occurs when I party queue, than it is when I solo against people in my own bracket. Uh, let's see. Okay, if you don't remember, I usually play mid, so I should theoretically be getting bitched by higher ranked players, but 80% of the time I win my lane. When I party queue, I generally have a 60 to 65% win rate and 53% solo. Keeps a spreadsheet, so he knows this. The people that I play with have synergized to the point where we make the same calls at the same time and have the same unspoken game plan uh, when team fights occur, all aware of our duties. That's good. I'm not leaning towards the conclusion that I'm being carried because I keep pace with our safe laner and sometimes I have more impact than them. Uh, when partied, I feel I exert much more energy into the game, more focused because I think the game should be much harder than me for me being a lower ranked player. Is it possible I underestimate my opponents in solo queue and lack the enthusiasm? Yes enthusiasm i usually have them playing against people at three thousand of them are higher than me if so how do i motivate myself uh when playing i would say the way the, the way that i motivate myself is that um you know people like my girlfriend for example was telling me like stop playing after 3 a.m like you're so dumb playing after 3 a.m basically follow your own rule and 
my thought process in those games, and maybe it's not great, is that I should be able to win those games. If if I am the player that I want to be, and if I'm at the skill level that I want to be at, I should be able to carry those games. I should be good enough. I, I, I want to be as good as Sumail. You know, I don't see why anybody can't get to that level. All, all the, the only there's no difference between you know Sumail's not a god. He's not. A, he's just a human. He just has the right motivation. He does the right things. He's good at the you know good at the game. Like I I don't see why any individual can't become like that given the exact same circumstances essentially. So for for you, I would say, why the hell don't you have an eighty percent win rate in your solo queue? Do you suck? Like mm-hmm. you, cl- you clearly do. You're sucking in solo queue, mm-hmm. and obviously that's fine because that you know you know that you can do better. So that's just the way that I would see it is, is as a challenge. Is as like you're fucking up in these solo queues, man, and you're so you're capable of so much more. So realize your full potential. You know, yes. you should be able to win those games. You should be able to win with idiots on your team because you should be so good that you carry them. That's the thing. That's that's the way I see it with these late late night games. Like, yes, I have feeding rank a thousands or whatever, and usually I don't play with rank a thousands. Usually I play with rank two hundreds and stuff, and they're way better. But it's like, fuck, man. If I'm gonna rank up, I should be able to carry these idiots. I don't care if there are literal donkeys on my team. You know, donkeys using their fucking hooves to play press the keyboard. I should be good enough to one v five these people because I want to be good enough. Yeah. So it's nobody's fault but my own if I lose, no matter what the game situation is. That's I, kind of the way I see it. I agree. I mean, it just kind of sounds like you have a very lazy attitude about your solo queue games. You're just kind of like expecting to get better by just like pressing the play queue button. And I, I say this as somebody who has had this attitude in the past and still devolves to that attitude from time to time. And uh, it's pretty much like every time that I stop respecting my teammates and my opponents, I lose. It's very simple. So just treat every single game as like an individual event that you want to, it's like we were talking about earlier. You want to, you want to literally own the people that you're playing. It's like own them. So make them sad to be playing against you. Make them very, very unhappy and uncomfortable to be playing against you because you're so much better than them. Show them. I love playing void spirit. Cause that's how I feel is I can just run around the map, like being such a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. I I love it. I'm having so much fun with that hero. Yeah. Also, uh, to talk to Party real quick um, for that last question. Sorry, I was spacing out when you read it. I have quick cast, and I also ward as a support player. Most of the time when I place wards, I am placing them manually because I want to place the, you know, like the vision circle. I want to see where that is. I want to see where the sentry Overlap oh yeah, you is. can't you can't do that with quick cast, can you? Um, you can if you have it on button up as opposed to button down. Um, but you, one thing I will say is like one thing that started happening to me was if I had quick cast on my mouse button, my mouse four button, like one of the side buttons, I was constantly double warding just by tapping it once because like for whatever reason it would like double kit double cast it so that sucks yeah I've, I've had to start using a different hotkey uh just because it doesn't double double cast like that and other times um i will just manually ward and i think that that's okay because manually warding is probably better in a lot of scenarios um but to, to switch the uh the type of ward if you're trying to like really quickly swap to a sentry or something like that you can hold alt and then it'll double tap it agreed even though I don't use quick cast. Uh, okay. Dat Burrito says, what makes Timbersaw good? I saw you had him as A to your last pick, but why? Meta heroes, Timber, it, it, Timber is just really strong against a lot of the meta heroes. Uh, the timing that they get a vessel, usually you can have like a Yules or a Lotus or something. Uh, the math on his on his uh, stats and, and spells are just, it's just really good. People yeah. have gotten better at playing Timber too. People have gotten way better. Like, uh, you know, cutting waves and pressuring really hard. Uh, basically, the when Timber became OP was when they when they changed the armor calculation, uh, where basically less armor was equal to the same physical resist, so armor is better. But they didn't lower any of the armor numbers in the game. And if you look at all of the uh, armor items and minus armor items, it's all been nerfed. It's all been nerfed because 
with the new calculation, certain ones were OP and then they had to be nerfed. Medallion, for example, went from like eight armor to five. Uh, Deso went from seven. I think it's six now. Uh, so yeah, they 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 have been they have been changing armor, but timber didn't get changed. Uh, but recently it did. But for a long time, timber didn't get changed, and still the numbers are are, are probably a little bit too high for for timber saw. Uh, the moment they make it so that his level seven can't tank tier ones, he's going to be dog. Yes, but he can still tank tier ones with his level seven. Yeah, I also do think that the hero is very easy to play against, in my opinion. He has he has one thing that he does very well, which is to own you for fifteen minutes, and I would just say that probably below high immortal, you're not going to run into many timber saws who are going to be able to actually execute that well. Most of the time, they'll own you for like ten minutes, and then they'll just feed three kills in a row, and then their game is completely over. Yep, just need a vessel. That's all. Uh, Party says I played one game in NA today at six point five k MMR, and none of my teammates had a mic. Is that normal? Yes. <laughs> I used to everyone having a mic, but not speaking English. No, nope, a lot of people don't say shit in NA. It's yeah, it's really, really frustrating when you try to communicate and nobody else talks to you. You get called a mic user. People are not very social in NA. Dude, EU is crazy. The amount of people that are communicating all the time, it's fucking crazy. It's like, go, go, go do this. Oh, we go smoke, we go smoke. Oh, I need BKB, I need BKB. Like... It's nuts. You got all these Russians. They're just talking nonstop in Russian. And then the moment they need to speak to you, they know that you speak English. They just speak perfect English. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's we European wonder thing. why NA is such a terrible region. Master race, Europeans. Uh, Sergeant Sarcasm says, as a support, uh, where are some great spots to ward on the map? A lot of the ones I've been trying get dewarded quite quickly. Okay, that is... We we kind of talked about that last week, where we basically the, the answer to a similar question is basically if your wards are getting dewarded, then just put them in not shitty spots. Like there's <laughs> plenty of there's plenty of places where okay, one trick that you can use is everybody and their goddamn mother places sentries on cliffs because that way they don't have to send a courier out and and deward. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you use the ward or use a sentry to see where the sentry range is around a cliff, and you place a ward just outside of that, that ward will not get dewarded, because people will only place a sentry on that cliff and nowhere near it, because they'll assume that if they dewarded that area, it's it's gone. That's that's how you get those like around-the-map wards, uh, in-the-map wards, I should say, in-the-jungle wards. And other than that, ward lanes, ward directly in the river at Roche. Like, yep. These are wards that don't get dewarded. It sounds like you're just kind of placing shitty wards, and these are shitty wards will get dewarded by shitty supports. But if you're if you're placing good wards, then only good supports will deward them. And uh, then you know, since that's half of supporting, you'll basically shoot up an MMR and until you get to good supports. Yep. So that's that's the cool thing about it. If you do master warding, then it you know it's it's pretty um, it's pretty game winning. Yeah, it's actually pretty fun when I do run into somebody that knows how to ward because I'm like, damn, this is actually really hard. <laughs> like, once every 200 games, I'll play against somebody else who knows how to ward. And it yeah, becomes and very, it's... very, very hard for me to actually keep wards on the map. Yeah, people, some people are very good at it. Okay, who do you guys think will win the ESL Major? Okay, uh, let's see. I mean, Secret's the obvious choice. Sumail's an obvious... Uh, oops. <laughs> oh, shit. Just Sumail, <laughs> my, not OG. My bias, <laughs> my bias is like creeping out. Uh, OG. OG is a pretty obvious one, I, I think. Uh, they're they're obviously, you know, TI winners. Uh, I think Team Master actually has a good chance just because... Nah, they're not going to show up with their whole team. They have a bunch of visa issues, unfortunately. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Um. Thunder Predator is going to get completely shit on. Yeah. EG has a chance. EG definitely has a chance. That's that's a very phenomenal team. Yeah, IG is really good as well. I don't know if IG's championship level good. I think they're like top four good. I would say it's like secret EG or OG. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm a bit North America and Europe biased. But... I would say that those are probably pretty safe. Um, I wouldn't sleep on RNG. But I don't think they they have what it takes to win either. Yeah, RNG are trash. Uh, Fnatic has looked really good at the summit, but it is the summit, and I think that this team perpetually underperforms on land because they're just really bad at dealing with pressure. 
that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, they do they do really underperform a land for some reason. Um okay. Destraga says, I got destroyed by Timber with Lifestealer. I suck, but how do you approach this matchup? I watch my replay and realize I didn't trade with him while his Q was on cooldown. You just don't trade with Timber, dude. You just don't. You just last hit and and lifesteal. You only, the only reason you trade with him is to heal. That's it. Yeah. But like you're not gonna you're never gonna kill or push a timber out. It's literally just about last hitting. And the moment the moment he starts pressuring you in the way that he can kill you, you just leave. You just go somewhere else where the timber isn't. Yeah, just... uh, once you have a maelstrom and you have some heroes on your team that are strong, like you can kill the timber. But like Donnie said, the timber only wins for the first 15 minutes. So if you just avoid that motherfucker for the first 15 minutes, you win. A lot of people in high-rated games are cutting waves versus Timber because he can't kill towers on his own. He needs a creep wave. So if you just go behind a tower and cut the wave that he's pushing, he tanks the tower, sure. How many Timber saw little right-clicks do you think it takes to kill a tower? It's like 200. <laughs> like, it takes forever. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just rush a Maelstrom. Literally just go straight Maelstrom in that Yeah, lane. no boots Maelstrom. That's that's what a lot of people do on Lifestealer these days anyway. Yeah. Just Maelstrom. And then you can actually maybe kill him with like a support. Crave said, I've made my own tier list for offlane for this week, and I basically focus on never losing my lane because that's where I feel my weakness as a player is. I would say you you can you do need to be a little careful uh only picking to your to your weaknesses. Uh you don't want to like use things as a crutch. I've I've done that before too. That's so I think it was God Z said that to me, and it really like hit hard when uh, I kept going back to Pudge as a hero. And he's like, Jenkins, you're only picking Pudge because it gives you a crutch for the shit that you're bad at. Like, I could run around, be out of position, and it would be fine because I'm Pudge and it's making space. And I would just <laughs> deny, rot, rot myself to death. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, that's true, actually. Yeah. I, I need to learn, I need to learn to, to not have this hero as a crutch. There's a lot of players that can play only one hero and it's, and they play anything else and they're, they're terrible at it. And it's, it's because things that that one hero, uh, are allowing them to do as a crutch these other heroes don't you have to be good at them but they aren't and then people always go back go back to the hero it's like ah, oh, they keep losing when they're starting to learn you have to break that wall of feeling like you want to go back to those crutches um anyway that's not the question so yeah sorry i want to just interrupt because you saying that is just giving me an epiphany which is that one of the main reasons i play bloodseeker is because he allows me to position perfectly in team fights, because I can I can target select and be in the right place at the right time because I move at 800 movement speed, and I I recently today I played a juggernaut game and my jug is okay. I wouldn't say I'm like an amazing jug, but I'm an okay jug, and I played a game where I had like literal perfect team fight positioning and target selection. And I know that because it felt really easy in a game that should have been relatively hard. And so just thinking about that now, and most of it was because I was like, you know, I was like wrapping around to the right side of the fight. I was finding the people that I needed to be killing first. And on Bloodseeker, I literally just like sit there and I wait for myself to get super fast. And then I just go kill the person that I have to go kill. And there's nothing stopping me from doing that. So. Yeah. You gotta be careful with that. I've been trying to learn lately. Um, so he was saying that he put Underlord into S tier and, uh, you push pull with level one firestorm. If you have a hard matchup and you're still kind of new to the hero. Yeah, that sounds good. I think, I think Underlord, um, for me, I would put Underlord in A tier, not S tier, but uh, it's a fantastic hero. I think it's a really good hero. Mm, I disagree. I you don't think so? I don't think Underlord's that great, but I think that he's really good at stomping low-level games i think he's one of the best heroes at massacring people in pubs because he does everything that you want at like level it, it, he does everything you want in the laning stage for somebody who's not necessarily like that great mechanically or strategically he makes the laning incredibly easy to play yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think I, I think don't say that as like a flame necessarily, but I just don't think I, I think he's an overrated hero. Like if, if you think he's amazing, I don't think he's an S tier hero at all. I th I think I think he's good. Um, but push pulling the lane is like that's a good strat. That's a that's always a good strat in the off lane. Uh, the only thing is if you do that, you're feeding a bunch of free creep waves to your opponents. So you only really do that if the matchup is a little bit hard, like you said, or you want levels. 
So yeah, I, I would I would I would go for it. Um, I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, Sergeant Sarcasm says, "What is a good way to pick replays apart? Some issues can be uh, quick to find, but a lot of the time I can't figure out where I'm wrong in thinking on certain plays without getting someone else's opinion. Uh, when they point out, it's blaringly obvious, but when I watch it myself, I tend to miss a lot." Stop being uh, bored and watching your replays. Watch them actively. Like I would say, like a lot of the time, I go into a replay with. I know that I fucked up in the game at a certain point, and I want to see like the circumstances around that. Yeah, you know, I'll be like, I died at this point. Like, how can I avoid doing this? Oh, there's a ward in stock. If I just sent a ward out, I wouldn't die here. Like, why am I not doing this in every game? Like, you need to go into the replays with an idea of what you're gonna look at from the games. You can't just like, okay, I'm gonna pick a random replay and see all the shit that I lost. Like, do it when it's fresh. You know, do like write down notes from the game. It's like, hey, what do I want to improve from that game? Like, what is it that I actually fucked up? And then and then go into the replay with an idea of like I want to get more information on this subject. That's what I would say. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, it's, I'd I'd say that like learning to watch replays is a skill you have to develop because I think it's just way less fun than playing the game, and it can get really boring and dry if you're not like actively trying to get better at learning. And as soon as I as soon as I got like to the point where. I was like really curious about what I was doing wrong. Replay review got kind of fun, but I can understand why you would uh, probably not feel like you can learn anything. Cause you'd probably just like scrub through and you're like, Oh, I died. Okay, cool. That was bad. And then you go to the next thing. And you're like, Oh, okay. I died here. Okay, cool. I won't do that next time, but there's no like actual questioning of yourself or, or analyzing anything. Yep. I agree. That's it. We're done. Dope. Great no stream. More questions. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You guys are the best. Except yeah. for you, Hockey Leaner. You're not very good. Everybody else is great. Hockey Leaner. You're 